Join us for our discussion with Eric Johnson as he shares with us 10 of his favorite Book of Mormon verses. Next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. As I research various websites to glean material and get ideas and topics for shows, upcoming shows, I often go to one of my favorite websites, which is mrm.org. And I recently was there and found three articles on that page that I thought would be great material that we could use to help our viewers understand Mormonism versus Mormon teachings versus the Bible. And there are a lot of differences in those three when you compare them. Today's guest is Eric Johnson, who works with the Mormonism Research Ministry and wrote three articles that the three articles that caught my attention. He's been a guest on our show several times in the past. It's always fun and informative to have him here. So I would like to introduce and welcome Eric Johnson. Thanks so much, Doris. And thank you very much for coming back and joining us. My pleasure. <laughs> sharing some information. Tell our viewers just briefly about MRM and, and contact information? Well, we're a Christian apologetic ministry aimed at the Mormon people, and Bill McKeever founded the ministry in 1979. Uh, Bill and I both live in the Salt Lake City area. Our main objective is to share the truth of the gospel with Latter-day Saints, as well as inform Christians as to what Mormonism really teaches so that mm -hmm. they can be better equipped to be able to share their faith. And mm -hmm. so we have a website, as you mentioned, mrm.org. We have a daily radio show that plays on seven different stations called Viewpoint on Mormonism. We've done that since 2011, and we do a variety of different topics. We try mm -hmm. to stay on the cutting edge and the recent news of what Mormonism is all about. Uh, we've written books on the topic, such as Mormonism 101, Answering Mormons' Questions. I wrote a book called Mormonism 101 for Teens, again, trying to get the information across accurately without making errors so commonly made by Christians who are well-meaning, but mm -hmm. who just don't quite understand don't what this quite religion is about. And I'd like to mention, as you say that, that um, this includes polygamists simply because they do believe in Mormonism. And on your website is a, an abundance of information about polygamy, oh about boy, Joseph yeah. Smith and, and his wives and, and all of that. So it's very informative if, if our viewers would like to go there. So what's the website and how would they contact you if they wanted to? Well, they, uh, mrm.org is the website. If they would like to contact me, they can contact me at eric, E-R-I-C, at mrm.org. I'd be happy to answer any questions or have a dialogue with somebody if they're mm -hmm. interested in doing that. And the show that we have today, uh, the, the website, the web page for that was on the screen. Uh, go to mrm.org slash 10 awesome Book of Mormon verses. It's there for you to, um, to check for yourself what we're talking about today. So these 10 Book of Mormon verses that you like to use in your doctrinal discussions with the LDS or polygamous, whenever you have the opportunity for these kinds of conversations. Um, and the next three shows, we're going to do three shows based on these three articles. And we will be listing the, uh, the verses in the order that you have them in the article, as well as the order that they show up in the Book of Mormon. So we have about 
20 minutes to cover all 10 verses. Okay. So, so let's get rolling and see what we can do with this. The first one is first in First Nephi chapter 14, verse 10, and it says, And he said unto me, Behold, there are saved two churches only. The one is the church of the Lamb of God, the other is the church of the devil. Wherefore, who, whose belongeth not to the church of the Lamb of God belongeth to that great church, which is the mother of abominations, and she is the whore of all the earth. Now, that's a strong set of verses there. <laughs> well, it is, but Joseph Smith said that the Book of Mormon was the most correct book on earth, and a man could get closer to God by abiding by its precepts than by any other book. Mm -hmm. And the Mormon missionaries are going to ask the potential converts to read the Book of Mormon and pray about it. So this needs to be considered a very important book as scripture for the Latter-day Saints, probably much more important than even the Bible. And so what I like to do with these verses, Doris, is I like to show them that there are things in there that perhaps they may not really believe or that goes against their presuppositions. And one of the things that I find many Latter-day Saints like to minimize the differences. Mm -hmm. They like to use the same language we have. They like to say that maybe I'm a Christian as well. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so they don't want to be offensive. They like to say you shouldn't judge. Judge not lest ye be judged, according to Matthew 7, 1. And so they, uh, uh, they want to have the feeling that we're we're on the same page. Right, so I like to right, take them to right. this verse mm -hmm. because it's very clear. This is not an either or fallacy, right. which says it's either this or the other and nothing else. Well, that's what this is saying. Either you are the true church or you're not the true church. One is the Lamb of God. The other is the church of the devil. So I like to ask the question, which church do I belong to? Do you see what happens yeah. is that puts them in a position where they, they can't say the Church of the Lamb of God because I reject the, the Mormon view of baptism. I, I disagree with their doctrines of who God is. And, and you can use this with uh, the polygamists as well because right. exactly. they hold to the Book of Mormon and say, exactly. well, then I must be wrong. And I want them to understand that, yes, one of us must be wrong. We both cannot be right. Exclusive truth right. is right. at stake here. Right. And, and somebody is wrong. We both, if we're both wrong, then maybe atheism is true or Islam or something else. But, but don't play this. Right. right. We can't play this game that somehow just because I'm a nice person, I'm a, a Christian as well. And, and what's interesting is the Church of the Lamb of God was the name that LeBaron chose for his polygamy group. It's right. So, it's yes, right. polygamists very definitely can use this kind right. of thing. Uh, but that didn't make them the Church of the Lamb of God. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, the second verse that you like to use is. Second uh, Nephi 25 verse 23 where it says, For we labor diligently to write, to persuade our children and also our brethren, to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God. For we know that it is by grace that we are saved after all we can do. And one of the problems when you're talking to somebody like a Latter-day Saint is we have the same language. And so Mormons like to say, well, we believe in grace as well. Mm -hmm. And I always like to cite Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It says we're saved by grace through faith. This is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, lest right. any man should boast. It's very clear what the Bible teaches about it. And yet this verse contradicts what Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is saying because exactly. we're saved by grace after all we can do. And we have to understand the language of Mormonism. Grace is the same meaning as 
uh, general resurrection that everybody gets because we mm -hmm. were we were obedient in the preexistent life. We chose Jesus as the Savior. Therefore, we were given the right to be able to go to one of three kingdoms of glory. And even if you go to the terrestrial or celestial kingdom, not as great as the celestial kingdom, you still are considered still to be a in place. a good place. Yeah. And so you're saved by grace. But if you want exaltation, which is the same as eternal life and have eternal increase, which is having uh, children in the next life as mm -hmm. a God and goddess as for the woman, then you have to be able to earn that right. And mm -hmm. this says you have to do all you can do. So the question I use when I use this verse is I like to ask, are, have you done all, all you, can, you do? can do or are you doing it? And the answer most of the time they're honest and say, no, I'm not doing everything I should. Well, this says here that you can't be saved by the grace unless you, unless do, you it. do it. And that actually nullifies grace. It, it really so it does. isn't grace. So it's rash is self-contradictory by saying it that. makes it meaningless, doesn't mm -hmm. it? It does. Absolutely does. Those are that is a great verse to use. The next one is is kind of a long one, but it's uh, it's important for your use. It's in Alma, chapter 5, verses 27 through 30. And it says, Have you walked, keeping yourselves blameless before God? Could you say, if you were called to die at this time within yourselves, that you have been sufficiently humble, that your garments have been cleansed and made white through the blood of Christ, who will come to redeem his people from their sins? Behold, are you stripped of pride? I say unto you, if you are not, you are not prepared to meet God. Behold, you must prepare quickly, for the kingdom of God is soon at hand, and such an one hath not eternal life. Behold, I say, is there one among you who is not stripped of envy? I say unto you that such an one is not prepared, and I would that he should prepare quickly, for the hour is close at hand, and he knoweth not when the time shall come, for such an one is not found guiltless. And again I say unto you, is there one among you that doth make a mock of his brother, or that heapeth upon him persecutions? Woe unto such an one, for he is not prepared, and the time is at hand that he must repent, or he cannot be saved." Now, I'm just exhausted thinking about all these religious requirements, oh. you know, and, and put it next to grace. What can you say? <laughs> yeah, well, this passage, uh, the, the part where it says, Behold, are ye stripped of pride? I say unto you, if you ye are not, ye are not prepared to meet God. I use this a lot when I do outreaches at Mormon temple open houses. When they open up a temple and it's available for people to come, the public can come and tour it. And it's more of a recruiting tool. The Mormon church wants you to be impressed with its beautiful buildings mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. to be able to say, wow, look at how beautiful this is. And the buildings are very nice. But I like to talk to people about what the requirements are to be able to get in there. To and especially go. people don't oftentimes understand that this is not a place they worship on Sundays. It's a place where work is done. It's open Monday through Saturday. And it's only for people who have a special card called the Temple Recommend. What is the Temple Recommend? It says that you have accomplished everything the church says you're supposed to do. You don't uh, disobey the word of wisdom by not drinking hot drinks or alcohol or smoking cigarettes. You uh, tithe 10% of your income. There's a variety of requirements mm -hmm. the bishop will ask every person who wants to get this recommend to get. And so when you go to the temple, you're going as worthy. But what did Jesus say about that? He actually told the story of the the publican and the Pharisee and the, the man who was beating his chest. And he says, I am not worthy. Forgive mm -hmm. me. And then the Pharisee who gave this great audacious prayer. And he said, this man, right. the first one is the one it who, yes. And, and so I, I find for a lot of Latter-day Saints, 
that pride is a big issue with them. And it says here, you have to be stripped of it. Well, how can you be stripped of it if, if you're uh, saying, I am okay to go in? And then the last part oh, there, yeah. where it says that um, uh, you, you cannot, it's mocking your brother. He says, uh, uh, among you that doth make a mock of his brother. And sometimes when we're at temple open houses, they will sometimes say some mean things and tell us that we're, we're horrible people, anti-Mormons or whatever they want to say uh-huh. or, or whatever they do. And, and I like to say, well, be careful because the Book of Mormon says you're not supposed to mock your brother. And according to LDS theology, I was in the pre-existence as well. Yeah. So to mock me is to mock your, <laughs> brother. To mock your brother. So I use that. Good I don't point. normally yeah. use it, but yeah. it's something that is there, and I know where the passage yeah, is, that I can look it up if yeah. I have to. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Uh, Cash 22, as, as you put in your article, it is for sure. Okay, very good. Alma 11, 26 through 29 says this, And Zizram said unto him, Thou sayest there is a true and living God? And Amulek said, Yea, there is a true and living God. Now Zizram said, Is there more than one God? And he answered, No. When we get to the issue of God, Doris, it's so important to establish the fact that there is only one God. Deuteronomy 6.4, that the the idea of one God is, is a major centerpiece of Judaism as well as Christianity. And here in the Book of Mormon, and this is before Joseph Smith changes his theology. Mm-hmm. He does change it later mm-hmm. on he and does. says that there are many gods. He had always taught it. He, he teaches these things. But in 1830, he wasn't teaching that. And this is what the Book of Mormon says. Zizram, this wicked lawyer. Mm-hmm. And we have Amulek, and he was a righteous uh, prophet. And so we need to take the idea that he was telling the truth when he's asked the question, is there more than one God? If we put our hand over the answer, and I'll oftentimes do this, I'll I'll put my hand right there so they can't read the rest. What do you think the answer was? A Latter-day Saint who is not familiar with this passage will say, well, yeah, he must have said yes. (laughs) Well, no, the answer is no, which is in line with the biblical teaching. So then the question is, why did Joseph Smith change the view of the Godhead? And that's a question many Latter-day Saints have never thought of before. You know, when I became a Christian and started doing my own studies, I came across this passage Mm-hmm. And I was so shocked. I was speechless, totally shocked, because I never had any idea that the Book of Mormon taught there was only one God. We definitely were taught of multiple gods, plurality of gods. And, and then, of course, they say, well, you have to read between the lines, because it means that there's only one God of this planet. Right. That's, I hear that coming back a lot. That's certainly not what is taught. That's not what it says. And when we get to the book, the Bible passages, I have a few there that I like to bring in because the Bible is very clear. It's Mm -hmm. not just for uh, the beginning of this world to the end. It's from everlasting to everlasting. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, Alma 1137, and I say unto you again that he cannot save them in their sins, for I cannot deny his word. And he has said that no unclean unclean thing can inherit the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, how can you be saved except ye inherit the kingdom of heaven? Therefore, ye cannot be saved in your sins. Yeah, well, Doris, let me ask you this question. Do you believe that you can be saved in your sins? There's no way. There's absolutely no way because our sins keep us from... God. Mm-hmm. And so what do we need? What's the we one thing that Christianity offers? Sins. Yeah. Through, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have forgiveness of our sins. So while I do not believe the Book of Mormon is true scripture, 
I believe it's written by Joseph Smith, and he, he used different sources to be able to put together mm -hmm. to create this book, and a lot of Mormons like to say it was a miracle. Okay, it was a miracle, let's say. Do you believe this passage? And then the question is, are you still in your sins? The yeah. Mormon can't say so because the Mormon is required to earn his salvation by keeping the commandments and, continually. And that's the whole point because keeping commandments doesn't wash away sins we've already committed. Right. They're still there. What right. do you do with them? You can't be saved in them. And when we talk about Doctrine and Covenants, Section 82 says that your former sins will return when and you repeat yeah. that same and sin. And we'll talk about that when we get there. I really don't like that person. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I just think this is important because I, I like to tell the Latter-day Saint, I agree with this verse. I don't yeah. agree with the Book of Mormon, but it says no unclean thing can inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible is very clear that we are sinners. Mm -hmm. The wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And so, oh, so there's, there's an answer to this, but I don't think the Mormon can feel very good about this. That's very good. It certainly is food for thought. I'm telling you, if, if it was a thinking Mormon, they should cover, go back and check that one out. Yeah. And we have another long one, um, but again, we need to get in the context of what he's saying here. It's in Alma 34, uh, 32 through 35, and it says, For behold, this life is the time for men to prepare to meet God. Yea, behold, the day of his life. This life is the day for men to perform their labors. And now, as I said unto you before, as you have had so many witnesses, therefore I beseech of you that you do not procrastinate the day of your repentance until the end. For after this day of life, which is given us to prepare for eternity, behold, if we do not improve our time while in this life, then cometh the night of darkness wherein there can be no labor performed. You cannot say when you are brought to that awful crisis that I will repent, that I will return to my God. Nay, ye cannot say this, for that same spirit which doth possess your bodies at the time that ye go out of this life, that same spirit will have power to possess your body in that eternal world. For behold, if you have procrastinated the day of your repentance and even until death, behold, ye have become subjected to the spirit of the devil, and he doth seal you his. Therefore, the spirit of the Lord hath withdrawn from you, and hath no place in you, and the devil hath all power over you, and this is the final state of the wicked. The final state of the yes. wicked. In Latter-day Saint theology, they hold that, that, that this is not the end, that you can actually have work done for you in spirit prison. Mm -hmm. If you have mm -hmm. somebody go to the temple and they're worthy and they get that work done vicariously on your behalf, that you will have that opportunity. This is a very powerful passage when it comes to it needs to be done now. And this is what right. the Bible teaches. Mm -hmm. Hebrews 9.27 and 2 Corinthians 6.2 both very much support the idea that this is the judgment after right. we, when we die, then comes the judgment. And today is a day of salvation. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. so, so this is an agreement actually, again, with, with the Bible, with the Bible. but so not we, with Mormon doctrine. So we can use this to say, if the Book of Mormon is the most correct book on earth, mm -hmm. then do you hold to this passage? If you hold to this passage, then why does most of the work that's being done in LDS temples why is it being done on behalf of people who are already dead, who already have the judgment that they're going to right. face without being able to do any work to fix this? One of those contradictions, another one of that we've come across, it was a very good point. Thank you very much. All righty, moving right along here, Mormon 8, 32 through 33. 
Yea, it shall come in a day when there shall be churches built up that shall say, Come unto me, and for your money you shall be forgiven of your sins. O ye wicked and perverse and stiff-necked people, why have you built up churches unto yourselves to get gain? Why have you transfigured the holy word of God that you might bring damnation upon your souls? Behold, look ye into the revelations of God. For behold, the time cometh at that day when all these things must be fulfilled. Well, I think we all know where this is going to go because <laughs> yeah, to be able to so. get into the Mormon temple, which is a requirement to be able to get sealed there for time and eternity, you have to be able to have that temple recommend we were talking about earlier. And what this verse is saying is that anybody who says, for your money, uh -huh. I'm going to give you salvation, but you can't get into the temple. And it's not just trying. I know that in general conference, there have been uh, several teachers, including Jeffrey Holland, who has mm -hmm. says you get credit for trying. Right. We always like to ask the question then, okay, so how hard do you have to try? What if you go to the bishop and say, Bishop, I have been trying to get rid of my smoking habit. I only do it three times a week now. I only have coffee two times a week, and I gave a 6% tithe. I deserve a temple yeah. recommend. I'm trying. I bet they would give it to him. <laughs> I get credit for trying. What is the answer the normal bishop is going to give? He's going to say, trying is not sufficient, mm -hmm. nor is repentance complete when one merely tries to abandon sins. That's what Spencer Kimball said in oh. The Miracle of Forgiveness, page 164. So this is a verse I like to say, uh, wait a minute, because you know they make a big deal oftentimes of Christian pastors being paid, but so yeah, do the yeah. higher leaders. And, uh, and, and yet this temple thing, I think, is something that ought to be uh, talked about. The, the temple is not Christian by any stretch of the imagination. And, and we'll talk in the next one when we do the Doctrine and Covenants mm -hmm. verses, we'll be talking more about tithing and, right. and uh, clergy, uh, playing the clergy. Okay, uh, Mormon 9.9 is our next one. For we do not, for do we not read that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and in Him there is no variableness, neither shadow of changing. Yeah, there's a couple of references here. One is Hebrews 13, 8, which is very similar to this. Also in James, it talks about God not having uh, no, uh, no shadow of changing. And the idea that God has always been God, He's a consistent God, it's very clear according to Mormon 9.9, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm -hmm. And this is not just at the beginning of this universe, this is for all ever eternity. Ever and ever. And I, th I think this is a, uh, yeah, these are not hard verses to remember. I mean, Mormon 9.9, well, Mormonism, you, know, you, you, can con you can remember that pretty mm -hmm. easily. And then just associate it maybe with uh, learning the passages in the Bible are probably more important than anything I'm doing here, but be able to go to Hebrews 13.8 and say, look, this this is an agreement with well, what the Bible is teaching. Well, you can take notes, too, and put cross-references in you your can. Bible or whatever to these passages. Yeah, for, for in the front of your, uh, your Book of Mormon, if you're going to have it out, or yeah. you can have it right next to this passage, and, and that might be helppful as well. Okay, very good. Moroni 8.18. Um, for I know that God is not a partial God, neither a changeable being, but He is unchangeable from all eternity to all eternity. Now this kind of builds on the last one mm -hmm. uh, that that we did. So what what do you, how do you deal with that? We actually uh, have used this. Uh, we have what's called Moroni 818 Day, mm -hmm. August 18th, and we <laughs> like to do that. We've been doing it for a number of years, and the 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 uh, the idea of that is that. Uh, 
we agree with Moroni 818, just as we've agreed with a lot of these other verses here, and the idea that God cannot be a changeable being, and yet Lorenzo Snow in his couplet said, mm -hmm. as man is, God once was, as God is, man may be, and that is still current teaching That's in the church. That's quite changeable, if you ask me. I mean, the, the, the polygamist believes that, the Mormon believes that, it's, it's very well set as Mormon doctrine today right. that God is a changeable being if he used to be a man, and that we have the potential to be gods. So right. how do you reconcile that belief that the Mormon church is teaching you with this verse? If the Book of Mormon is true, then I'm not, I'm not sure how you can say that the Mormon leaders can be true as well. Well, and it says in 8.18, he is unchangeable from all eternity to all eternity, not for just after he becomes God, but all the time. You have to play, to all. and you have to play scriptural gymnastics to make that work for you and say, well, all eternity means when he became the God yeah, until the very yeah. end. That's, that's playing, that's what we call eisegesis, mm -hmm. reading into a passage rather than exegesis, mm -hmm. taking out of it for what it says. Very good, very good. Verse, uh, or number 10, um, we're moving along pretty well here. Moroni 10.32, Yea, come unto Christ and be perfected in Him, and deny yourselves of all ungodliness. And if ye shall deny yourselves of all ungodliness, and love God with all your might, mind, and strength, then is His grace sufficient for you, that by His grace you may be perfect in Christ. And if by the grace of God ye are perfect in Christ, you can no wise deny the power of God. This is one of those verses, Doris, that I would disagree with because this goes against what grace is all about. Right. According to Christian, sure Christianity says it's by grace and not by works. It's given to you. Grace is imputed in, uh, to you, according to what Romans says. Mm -hmm. And so here it says it's an if. If you right. deny yourselves and if you love God with all your might, mind, and strength, then is His grace sufficient for you. I like to ask the Latter-day Saint, so... Or have you denied yourself of all ungodliness? That means you're pretty much sinless perfection. And they would say, no. Do you love God with everything you have? No. But it says only then will you receive the grace after you do that. Mormonism is very clear that you have to have complete obedience of the commandments. So in, in that, there's no, um, there, there's, there's no grace because it nullifies grace again. The word if. Uh, nullifies grace. Absolutely. This, it's an if clause and a then clause. If you yeah, do this, then. then you will receive the grace. And, uh, you know, it, it goes back to what we said earlier. Uh, we're saved by grace after all we can do. Who can do this? Right, exactly. Now, you have a bonus verse. If we can do it in one minute, okay, let's, let's try it. it. Mormon 7, 7. And he hath brought to pass the redemption of the world, whereby he has, that is found guiltless before him at the judgment day, hath it given unto him to dwell in the presence of God in his kingdom, to sing ceaseless praises with the choirs above unto the Father, and unto the Son, and unto the Holy Ghost, which are one God in a state of happiness, which hath no end. One minute. Followers of Joseph Smith like to say that they are looking forward to being with their wife forever, to be able to have their children with them forever, families are forever. And they oftentimes, to me, have mocked the idea of heaven. And they think that I think that I'm going to be on a cloud with a little harp, yeah. you know, the cartoon image. Mm -hmm. Well, here's a verse that says that that's what we're going to be doing. And I don't mind that, Doris. Do you mind <laughs> singing ceaseless praises to, you know, with the choirs above? And notice, unto the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, uh -huh. which are one God. So we also have uh, the a Christian Plymouth, Plymouth, Trinity Isn't right that there. kind of neat? I, yeah. thought it, I loved it, yeah. yes. Well, thank you. We're going to do this again with right. the Doctrine and Covenants passages. We kind of rush right through these, but you can go on the website and you can read them yourself and do it. 
it's a good launching pad for each of our viewers to do our own study. We urge you to do that. And a passage I like to use is Jacob chapter 2, verse 23 and 24 that says, They seek to excuse themselves in committing whoredoms because of the things which were written concerning David and Solomon his son. Behold, David and Solomon truly had many wives and concubines, which thing was abominable before me, saith the Lord. Polygamy is condemned more than once in the Book of Mormon, yet polygamy and uh, the polygamists still follow the the Book of Mormon and believe in polygamy. It does we don't get it. Does God really overrule Himself like that? But Acts 17:11 says that we are to search the biblical scriptures every day to find out if what we believe is true. Well, that's what we want you to do, and that's why we're doing this show. Next time, Eric and I will be discussing the 10 Doctrine and Covenants passages. Thank you for watching. See you then. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.